This is Scott Becker with Becker Group Business Leadership. We've got five great panelists today on sort of two great issues in today's world. Business growth, what can you do for business growth? And second, what can you do about investing? We've got sort of a multi-talented panel. I'll ask each panelist to introduce themselves, then we'll dig right into the conversation, first around business growth, then around investing. We'll have you with us for about 40 minutes today. Cynthia, let me ask you to take a moment, 30 seconds each, just for a quick introduction. Sure. Um, thank you, first of all, for the opportunity to be part of this invigorating panel. I am the CEO of Porter Research, which I founded 25 years ago to work with growth-minded companies. We develop and execute market research programs and create strategies used in market intelligence uncovered, which really supports evidence-based decisions and planning. And our mission in everything is to find revealing game-changing intelligence. Our clients are mostly vendors and equity firms. I have an MBA in finance and marketing. And prior to Porter Research, I worked at um, roles in Fortune 500 companies. If I had one word to describe me, I would say I'm bold, which comes from 25 years of taking risks, being confident in hard work. And in my free time, I enjoy being with my family, traveling, playing golf and tennis. I look forward to an enlightening time with all of you. Cynthia, thank you so much. David Rappaport, a few moments on your background yourself. Sure, Scott. I am the co-managing partner at Rappaport Rikus Capital Management. Uh, we're located on the North Shore of Chicago. We manage money for private clients. And personally, uh, among my clients, I have a number of C-suite executives, a number of clients that are involved in uh, technology, venture capital, and private uh, equity. So hopefully it gives me a little bit of a, a, a good glimpse into what's going on uh, in the economy and the markets today. Thank you so much. And Jamie Sabat? Oh, hi there, Scott. Um, pleasure to join you again for this panel. We've been on a few podcasts together, so I'm happy to be back. And I am the Director of Trend and Consumer Forecasting at StreetSense. We are an experience-focused design firm that is headquartered in Washington, D.C., and we are now partnered with CBRE, which we've expanded to offices in Los Angeles, New York, and Madrid. So happy to be here and talk about the future. Thank you. And you do some of the most interesting research and work around future trends, which are so critical to this discussion today. Rob Topping? Thanks, Scott. Uh, pleasure being here, and thanks for the opportunity. I'm Rob Topping of Topping Capital, based here in Evanston, Illinois. I'm a managing member and majority owner of Topping Capital, which is an alternative investment firm searching for unique opportunities and assets and businesses slowly correlated to stocks and bonds. Our maneuverable money freeform model focuses on the three primary categories of hedge funds, real estate, and early stage venture capital. We're uh, eclectic opportunists in the early identification of opportunity while looking to silo and compartmentalize risk. Um, these are extraordinary, unprecedented, and transformational times that not only present enormous opportunity, but also call for a constant evolution and adaption of uh, how we think about risk and investment models. Thanks. Thank you. And, and, and uh, David does a lot of his work through ETFs. 
and advising clients on public markets and, and, and those kinds of things. And I'm sure beyond that, you do a lot of work in the private world, hedge funds, real estate, startups, other kinds of businesses and so forth. Thank you. David Blumberg, can you take a moment and introduce yourself? Good morning, Scott. How are you? Greetings from San Francisco. I'm the founding uh, founder and managing director, uh, managing partner, I don't even know my title, uh, of Bloomberg Capital. We're a classic uh, early stage venture capital firm based in San Francisco, but our investment envelope extends uh, further abroad. We invest primarily in North America and in Israel, a little bit in Europe. Um, our focus is mostly business to business enterprise software companies, and that has specific segments like fintech, financial services technology, cybersecurity technology, a lot in artificial intelligence and uh, data analysis and so on, healthcare and supply chain and resilience. So it's a, across the board. And so most of my comments have to do with the digital economy, although I have opinions and <laughs> thoughts on the rest of it. And uh, thank you again for the opportunity. But we invest at the earliest stages, so seed rounds, uh, up say 500,000 to a couple million and A rounds, um, typically a couple million to maybe up to 10. We like to lead those rounds or co-lead, and we're active investors and try and support our portfolio companies of amazing entrepreneurs. Thank you very much. And I'll start with David and go back the other direction here from the introduction round. David, your thoughts on what's working for business growth today? When you look at things that you invest in, companies that you are invested in, what's working and what are some of your best thoughts on business growth today and what can still work in this very changing world? Sure. Again, my comments are somewhat limited because the area that I focus on is the digital economy. However, what we see in historical view is the evolution. If you take the early 19th century, it was the dawn of the industrial revolution. So we automated uh, things like agriculture and transportation first, steamships and railroads and tractors. And then in the, in the 20th century, the factories really were automated. And we think that in the 21st century, it's the economy of the information of the mind. The white collar worker is being more and more automated and freed up to do more intelligent, creative things. So we're automating the mundane work, the boring work, the dangerous work, the uh, work that's prone, for, prone to errors. And so we're seeing artificial intelligence married with big data and then distributed through internet and other uh, modalities of mass communication at low cost to really level the playing field and bring technologies to the fore and to the uh, commercial market that are, are never have been available before for um, less wealthy folks and for smaller businesses. So it used to be the case that a lot of these technologies and optimization routines and uh, specialized tools were available for governments, for large companies, and for wealthy family offices. But now we're starting to see this proliferation of technology that's really spreading a broader brush and able to help you know, lift a lot of other ships, which is wonderful. So that's where we've been mostly investing and it's been working out well. The things that I think have been most important for entrepreneurs to remember are at the beginning of this crisis, the, the, the lockdowns uh, required contingency planning because everyone was ex you know, expecting things to go forward on a nice growth trajectory and then um, everything got shut down. So the things that you know, are, are transitioning now are what we call the advent of the virtual enterprise where companies can as best as possible transition to a world which is either completely work from home or hybrid or more digital, more virtual, more automated in all respects. Now that's easily said for the software businesses. That's much harder if you run a bar or a florist shop or you're a you know, massage therapist or anything that's physical is much 
more difficult, of course, and I have empathy with all those folks. But in the world of, of software and in finance and in you know, insurance and uh, so many other realms, it's increasingly able to do things uh, remote, safely, and in any situation, um, and, and do it more intelligently and more efficiently. And I'll just give a healthcare example, if I may. Um, we just invested in a company uh, called Ferrum Health, F-E-R-R-U-M, and they're able to use AI to evaluate 100% of radiology scans. And the dirty little secret is that the number three cause of death uh, in the United States is medical errors. So often you might, you know, unfortunately get an auto crash, you go to the emergency room, they x-ray you, and they're looking for broken bones. And they miss the cancer nodule that might be growing on your lung. But with this, and because hospitals typically only evaluate 1% to 3% of radiology scans. With a technology like this, again, lower cost, automated, out of the bandwidth of um, workflow, the hospitals can now evaluate 100% of these scans, and they find, unfortunately, some things, but fortunately, they find them early, and people can save lives and so on. So I'll, I'll pause there, but that's one idea. No, thank you very much. And, and the, the three or four things I heard you talk about are contingency planning, obviously, and more and more need for it, virtual businesses, remote businesses. How can you automate things to be virtual and remote? Rob, let me turn to you, and I'll come back around to everybody. Your best thoughts on business growth today, and I'll come back to David and Rob a little bit later on on investing theses because you're in the world of investing. But Rob, when you invest in business, when you when you invest with people, what do you see works and doesn't work in terms of businesses today? Yeah, so I mean we're in the unique position that our client base runs, you know, from high net worth family office VCP, and we run through public and private markets. So. We're, we're total opportunistic uh, in our approach and then leveraging um, the expertise of a team specific to the situation. So, um, you know, in the go forward in terms of the world today, I, I think uh, coronavirus uh, and post-corona world really does, you know, three things. One, one, it acted as an accelerant to what were already emerging trends. Um, we've probably seen, you know, a few years of transformation in two months. Uh, and then secondly, I think it set many companies on the path of greater cost efficiency and a reimagination of their business. Um, and then third, you know, which will be interesting is it may have presented a moment in time that differentiates brand and changes perception of brand. And what I mean by that is, you know, when we look back, will Uber's thank you for not riding campaign where they effectively shut down their own business model and then provided frontline workers free transportation, you know, will that be a genius of a move or Cheesecake's public announcement that they wouldn't pay April rent? Will that come back to haunt them? So that's how I think of um, business growth today. Uh, when I, you know, break it down into three specific ideas, um, all aspects of finance are changing. There's a digital transformation of finance in terms of the demise of cash, the accelerant of digital banking, the rapid evolution of the alternative investment market. So we are seeing a democratization and modernization of finance that intersects technology and the evolution of private markets to a more transparent, cost-efficient, and liquid solution. Um, I think it, that how that plays out will be very interesting. Uh, and it e even involves... Um, it even involves contactless, you know, when you think of uh, fingerprint um, versus, say, say iris or, or uh, uh, biometric. Um, I think that changes here going forward. Yeah, and then a second and third idea would be, you know, how we interact in a post-corona world. So what I mean by that is, 
I mentioned money in terms of, you know, what is money and how that's changing, how we work when you look at remote office solutions and implications for urban transportation, commercial office market, et cetera, how we play and socialize uh, when you look at the say cocktail hour to music on uh, Zoom maybe, um, how we learn and, and then how we consume. Um, so the impact to shopping malls, uh, online models, once online, hard to go back, right? Um, and then just, you know, maybe a for profit, for purpose, uh, for profit, for purpose world in terms of uh, kindness and equality and, and, you know, maybe a kinder, gentler, more inclusive nation. So, and then the third in that would be um, 5G in the cloud. And that's early on the radar, but, but there's a clear case from the conversations I have with some startups and, you know, we're very, we, we have 40 portfolio companies in early stage VC. Yet, you know, there's a clear case of some business models that have been out there three to five years that have a vision uh, and progress. And, and if 40 to 50% of success in venture is timing, they're right in the tailwinds of, of what will be a move to 5G that, that basically makes some business models applicable and accelerate dramatically that would not under the old technology. So that's my thought process. Rob, thank you very much. A lot of thoughts there. Jamie, you're an expert in trends and, and what's going on. Some of your thoughts for businesses based on some of the trends you're seeing. Two or three thoughts there. Sure, Scott. Yeah, we're having, this is a really interesting time that we are living in. And at StreetSense, we're really focused on three different things. We're focused on advanced technology, building a community, and innovation. So I definitely agree with Rob on a lot of what he, what he said. Um, who knew that in 2019, Zoom would be our best friend, that we would be using it for business and personal, and that Logitech microphones and speakers would be the tools that we would be using. It's like no one really thought that this would be happening. But it investing in this advanced technology is really what's going to make our business grow, automating your business, using cloud-based um, tools and technology, as Rob mentioned before. These are the ways that we're going to move smoothly and really go with the times and be able to change. And we feel like, um, you know, adoption. We find now we're working in an environment where there's many generations. There's, you know, Gen Z, there's the boomers in our office, and we're all having to adopt this new advanced technology. So it's like the type of thing that once you learn something, you can't go back. So learning this type of technology has been a great thing um, with our teams. And then we're really focused on community. Who are the people and how does it work? Our business is really derived from people. Who are the people that are going to be in these places? And Growth is in the demand. Where do they want to be? How do they want to connect? So we like to provide a sense of belonging, community in our relationships. And this is really the demand and where it's going to be. So our company has really started focusing on tiger teams and small groups to really advance and to move forward. So we feel like these smaller groups can conquer all and conquer the challenges and our obstacles. And you guys on the call know, because you're investors, where to put the money, but we think of the people and what are those drivers? Where do they live, work, play, and how are they doing that in a new world? So we're really thinking about innovation. Instead of calling it the COVID era, I'm calling it the pivot era. This is where we need to put our thinking caps on. 
everything that we thought of before is changing at a and lightning speed. So we need to be innovative. We need to pivot. We need to generate ideas and thoughts during this time. 2020 is really the year that will define everything after that. So all of these movements and also definitely the, you know, the COVID time, these experiences are transformational. So we find personalization being really key here. People are investing in themselves, growing themselves, changing themselves. Um, learning and thought leadership is really key. So a lot of what our teams have been doing are writing reports, um, putting them out there, doing webinars like this to get knowledge into a bigger stance. And also just to echo what Rob just said too about giving back. What is your brand? What does that brand stand for? Uh, what's the cause? And we know that the consumer is buying into brands because of their advocacy and their ethos and what they stand for. So it's not an optional thing anymore. It's really mandatory to have a cause um, and give back. So those are our three things. No, Jamie, thank you so much. Ad Advance and adopting technology, community, personalization, and more. And also, as Rob said, you have to stand for something and have a purpose that's beyond just profit making, something where your both employees, your customers view you as a positive part of the community. Thank you very much. David, you work with a ton of entrepreneurs, business owners, executives. What do you see in terms of business growth or advice or thoughts on business growth today? Sure, Scott, and uh, you have a bunch of smart panelists, so I may end up uh, repeating a couple of their thoughts. Uh, in particular, Rob, uh, you had mentioned that um, what's going on today with the pandemic and how businesses are reacting is really like an accelerant that is, you know, gasoline that was being poured on a fire that's already uh, been burning. It's really accelerating a lot of trends that have been in place uh, for a long time. And uh, the other thing I think uh, David might have mentioned is, you know, move to more more digital and more, more virtual. Um, you know, we're seeing that as well. But as far as uh, talking to our clients, what they're doing in terms of their businesses, and again, we work, as you said, with a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, number one, uh, you really have to know who your clients and customers are. Uh, these days, you know, perhaps in the past, you could open a business, hang out a shingle, open a website, and wait for the orders to come in. And you can't do that as much today. You have to know your who your customers are and how to reach them. You know, the good news more than ever uh, is that you could do that uh, with social media. And if you think that, you know, social media is just kind of this thing that's out there, maybe tangential, you got to learn it, you got to get a little bit better at it, uh, you better do that quick and you better become uh, good at it real quick. You know, we're a professional services business and uh, we have really started to engage with our clients on social media. We're trying to um, add content. And I realize, Scott, this is a big part of your business, but we're really trying to add content that adds value to their lives and uh, engage with them. So part of the challenges uh, that business face today is really figuring out who those clients are, how you can engage with them and how you can add value and how you can make sure that you're delivering uh, what you want uh, to them. And, and then the second thing that um, we're seeing a lot of businesses do is more so than ever is contingency planning. And that's really having 
you know, a plan for just about every conceivable outcome. Obviously, the pandemic uh, took us by surprise. I don't think anybody expected, um, you know, the type of position that we'd be in. But I think going forward, successful businesses are going to have to plan for, well, let's say the, you know, COVID-19 coming back, roaring back in the fall. You know, what happens uh, if we have to shut down again? What happens if we don't and we have a vaccine earlier uh, than projected and the economy uh, comes roaring back? So, you know, we've all got to really sharpen our pencils and, you know, whatever happens in life probably will be something that you didn't plan for, no matter how many plans uh, you came up with, but it will make us uh, become more nimble and when unexpected things happen, I think it'll make businesses be able to react a lot quicker. And I think the last thing uh, that we're seeing is that, you know, it's important to pour your business investment, your, your, your cash flow into things that are going to drive additional revenue. And it's such a great chance for all of us to rethink uh, business models. It might be a chance to cut back on fixed costs because perhaps we're not going to need as much space. But, you know, if you're going to cut back on fixed costs, you've got to take those savings. You've got to reinvest those in places that uh, will either drive more revenue or make you more nimble, uh, better able to serve your clients uh, and customers. You know, in our business, virtual assistants uh, are becoming popular. And, you know, as our business grows, typically we would add uh, more people, operations people, client service uh, assistance, but there's a really trend, a good trend to uh, try to outsource things that, that gets back to the more digital, uh, more virtual theme. Uh, so a lot's happening with our clients. You know, we're trying to react and be nimble. Uh, they're trying to react uh, and be nimble. And I think as, as Jamie said, it's quite a time uh, for change. And I, I guess to, to quote her words, a real pivot period. And also the sort of, some of the thoughts that David Blumberg had shared also resonate with you in terms of the, the ability to provide the tech services, the automation services, all those kinds of things. It would allowed someone on a, you know, with a relatively small office to manage billions of dollars that you just couldn't do a decade ago without those tools that are now available for, for, for different businesses. It's got absolutely, it's made business a lot more fun. Uh, the ability to scale things, to use digital tools and technology uh, has allowed smaller firms or boutique firms really to have just an unlimited capacity or almost unlimited capacity for growth. So in that sense, it's very exciting. Absolutely. It made me think of how you grew your business now a couple of decades, but those yeah. tools have made it easier and easier to grow a platform without having to have hundreds of thousands of people in, in an office. Cynthia, your thoughts on business growth today, what's worked for you? What do you see working? Some of the thoughts here. And then I want to come back around and starting with David Blumberg on best investment thoughts today. Cynthia? Okay. And what uh, Porter does is all of you have been talking about it. We have a research firm that we work with vendors or equity firms looking at what they have and how can they develop it will move on because for any of these companies to grow, they really need to make sure they have fabulous use cases. So a lot of the research that we've been looking at has been around three different technologies and we've talked about 5G and we've talked about AI. 
but also combining that with edge computing, which is the technology that brings the computer power and the storage closer to the user. And um, the clients that we've been working with, and they've been in all different areas, so I can touch on some of the use cases in a lot of different verticals, but I'll pick a few verticals that we'll talk about. And they, these together, can, um, their position, these technologies that we, I just mentioned, have the potential to alter how consumers communicate, how they consume content, how they work together, how they interact in the environment. And if I start with 5G, and I know we already talked about this, we all were going around 4G, have to get new phones and everything. And some of the ads started on 5G at the beginning of COVID, but they'll all be coming back out again, where this will be the fastest global rollout of any generation of mobile network technology. And um, when we blend these three technologies, they, they really can give a foundation to support new groundbreaking in almost every industry. And you touched on a lot of those when you talked about virtual assistants, people talked about, they talked about the automotive and the um, drones, but I'm a healthcare specialist. So when I look at um, healthcare, for example, we all have seen how health health has just totally grown. I've done so much research in this area and um, COVID really drives the healthcare adoption for telehealth, for remote monitoring, behavior health, and um, home health and using technology. And if we looked at like Partners Healthcare, they had uh, 1,600 visits in February. In March, they had 90,000. And also the, in the healthcare, having these three technologies, it will also um, be remote patient monitoring where we're gonna be able to look at all the different things, the virtual consultations, consultations remote diagnostics, remote nursing, third world third uh, world countries, robotic surgery, and then even fall detection where people don't want to go into nursing homes and when they hear all this, this is allowing people to stay out of that. Um, another area that we look at use cases that we can all look at is the smart home industry or manufacturing where we're going to have the precision monitoring and the collaborative uh, robotics. Automotive, we're seeing the autonomous driving, fleet management and tracking, um, retail. Uh, someone had mentioned that even the shopping, the augmented um, reality and the virtual reality, we're getting the in-store experience without going in. We're going to be staying home. If we have to go out in the public, we're going to see the sensor networks, smart street lights, smart parking management, and then agriculture. Somebody mentioned that the, you know, the AI-enabled uh, drones. So what we are working with clients on, this all sounds great. Let's make sure the market is going to accept it. Where are they now? What are their challenges to adopting this? What are the um, trigger points that are going to make them go, I need to have this right now. Healthcare gets easy because a lot of times you have government mandates. And through this whole COVID, a lot of those government mandates were put to the side and we were able to get easier adoption of remote monitoring, uh, vaccines that are out there. So healthcare has just taken a big jump. But I think my big area is to have the thought leadership, the um, use cases that you can develop and go and follow the money because we've gone to your market. And my business during COVID has been so strong because people really wanted to find out where the healthcare, life sciences, payer markets were going to be going so they could have the products and marketing and go to market strategies available. 
Thank you so much, Cynthia. And it's passing on the 5G. None of us really understood the need for 5G until all of our phone lines have been overloaded during this COVID period. Uh, and, and now all of a sudden people understand the need for better uh, cell and everything else coverage. David Blumberg, let me come back to you. 90 seconds on the best place to invest today. And you're more in the private investment world than the public investment world. But, you know, again, the stock market's unclear. Yields on investing in bonds are so low. Where do people invest today? What are your best thoughts on people investing today? Right. So thank you. I, I think I'd echo a lot of the areas that uh, Cynthia just uh, talked about and, and some of the other panelists. We, I, we broadly agree. Uh, you know, you can sort of say that injecting um, software and intelligence into traditional industries and doing what has come to be known in Silicon Valley as ro robotic process automation or workflow automation, all of those are, are efficiency um, steps and they're all helping. And so, for example, our latest four investments have been in healthcare, again, automating telemedicine, et cetera, new types of insurance, and in supply chain resilience. And we did these before the COVID crisis even happened. So we were lucky. I don't know if we were smart, but we were, were certainly lucky. And the uh, success of these companies is astonishing because for the first time, startups are able to penetrate major world leading, like the top five freight forwarders have now um, been buying uh, significant software from one of our companies called Slink, S-L-Y-N-C. And you know, that just didn't happen. People used to build their own software. There was a big NIH factor not invented here. That's no longer working. The stress is too much. It's the young people who have the technology knowledge. So older folks really have to sort of step aside a little bit and sort of say, all right, we're going to develop a new platform or use APIs and new technologies that can really uh, simplify things. So again, virtual, digital, I would be short China long-term <laughs> in terms of supply chain restructuring. I think there's going to be a lot of changing of supply chains to try and stop single point of failure dependency on one um, particular supply uh, you know, origin, origin, such as China. And I think that there will be more onshoring of some things because we have this permanent low-cost natural gas phenomenon due to fracking. So things that are very capital intensive that we don't invest in, I think are still going to be very exciting and great opportunities for a long time in North America. Um, I think that some areas are particularly challenged, travel and so on. But I personally feel so much more productive. I don't travel anymore and I'm, I'm doing far more work and we're doing more deals and we're being more successful to help our companies because we don't commute and we don't waste time on airplanes. So anyway, I, I think it may be the, the dawn of a better kind of life, more time with family, more time you know, close to home. Anyway, it's, it's got some benefits as well as, of course, the tragedies, and I don't want to minimize any of those. So software as a service, technology, automation, supply chain, things that touch the supply chain, you're short on China. Any other headline for our, our audience? One, sure. One more would be interesting, I think, very much to add, is that transportation is fundamentally changing from product-oriented to a service-oriented. And I can go back five years ago, President Fox asked me in Mexico to speak, and I was on this panel, and they said, you know, you're going to speak about healthcare, I mean, automation, automotive. And I said, but I'm not, I'm a tech investor. I don't really know automation, healthcare, I don't know automotive. But anyway, I let the people from Ford speak first, and they said the future is green. And then the people from uh, one of the big <clears throat> auto parts companies, I think Dell Tech, said, oh, the future is connected cars. And I said, well, I don't know, but let me let you vote. And so the audience was 2,000 people. And I said, okay, option A is the car is, you know, you buy it once, it's expensive, you have to park it, garage it, change the oil, the gas, you insure it, it can crash, you can all that. You, you can only have one car for the next number of years you own it. Or it's on your phone. 
and you can order a motorcycle or a limousine and it can be pink or blue or black and you can have you know a group in the car or a solo and it's at your beck and call and you never have to do the gas or the oil or the insurance which do you choose and the whole audience of course voted for the latter option so we're seeing that with you know uber and many many other options um we have invested in a company called wonder uh, in germany that is the software layer that connects all kinds of this different intermodal human transport and so i think that transformation from product to transformation properly understood as a service like the old business school case where the railroads you know decided to not go into the auto industry because they thought they were in the railroad business really they were in the transportation business so i, I think entrepreneurs should think like that think about the real need not the specific instantiation of it in historical terms thank you very much david rob topping your thoughts best places to invest today you, you you're in a variety of different places where's the best place to put money today yeah um so i mean for starters too i i hear things here like personalization, transformational, you know, pivot, uh, the, the comment here on supply chain. I, I, I mean, it, it all really resonates with me. The, it, it's as somebody that comes from the risk management side, launching a hedge fund in 1998. I mean, how we have 90% of drugs in the U S imported from, you know, the bulk of them from China, that game changes. I mean, never again, will that risk exist. Um, so, Globalization, I think, now is in the context of risk management for the supply chain. But in terms of specific ideas, you know, I think of it as kind of uh, the mechanism or a funnel where I'm starting with the thematic of the post-corona world, and then what's kind of the mechanism and next step. So, you know, in those three, I, I would say a couple things pop out, um, or three things pop out. One, one is just this democratization of finance and you know, you're seeing platforms into the private investment world that dramatically will change the game. Um, you've had uh, on the public market side, we've always had the belief that it's becoming more about capital allocation in ter terms of um, and, and increased velocity and volatility. And, and you've seen that there were probably in the last few years, two Chicago firms of notable pedigree, you know, decades of, of success and, and just blindsided overnight and you say, okay, these aren't, you know, dumb people, how, how that happened. And I think it's just because the public markets, I mean, while you might see the indexes moving 3% in a day, you'll see 10 to 15% moves in stocks. And, and that's because of decimalization, ETFs, high frequency trading, and the, the quantitative relationships among stocks and leverage ETFs. So we, we you know, that creates an opportunity if you can elongate time in terms of the volatility and velocity, but we prefer have, uh, and I think everybody should think about the allocation to um, private platforms. And what I mean by that is we have affiliation, say, with, with uh, uh, Iona.us, which is out of Houston and New York, um, one with Hedge Act, which, um, and these are platforms that effectively, you know, filter the first level of due diligence um, and then are doing something transformational in terms of if you look how technology impacted the way we invest in public markets, the same thing's taking place in, in private markets. So, you know, paper stock trades through brokers to digital transactions through online brokers was an evolution. And now if you think of the cost of transacting and alternatives and how that's remained high just because of all the different stakeholders, investors, accountants, attorneys, compliance issues, et cetera. Um, what you're creating is a more transparent, liquid, cost-efficient world that we're just on the forefront of. 
And um, I think that's going to be pretty dramatic. Uh, so you should think about the democratization of private investments and a two-sided market there. So that would be one. A second is just a quick comment is um, we like the SPV structure and SPV is the acronym for special purpose vehicles, which, you know, in the Enron era has a bad name, but it's a great way for us to control, we think, a better way to control risk and capture opportunity. So we have an SPV of early stage companies specific to uh, the changing game in real estate. So the impact um, or, or alter the way real estate's transacted. Uh, we have an early stage SPV at 224 South Michigan Avenue, which is a reprint of you know the iconic Daniel Burnham building that Notre Dame Endowment owns. Um, and we're creating, we have just created one and launched uh, an SPV specific to kind of a post-corona world where we're breaking it down into three buckets of, of financing mechanism that could be taking out LP interest or financing, you know, warrants, et cetera. Um, a second would be kind of a second bucket in, in that SPV is kind of the survive and thrive folks that were writing across pairs of Corona, but coming out of it are actually seeing bigger opportunities than they had going in and they manage that well. And, and then the third is, um, and we'll bleed into my third investment idea is, is, uh, you know, those that are thriving because of a post-corona world. And, and an example of that that bleeds into the third investment idea is this for-profit, for-purpose, you know, thematic that I mentioned in the impact. We have a company here in Evanston that's gone to, you know, double shifts, uh, hiring people, and it's because, you know, it's online delivery for starters. So, you know, there's a point in the new world. Um, it's impact in the sense that, the consumer goods in your home that that effectively you can substitute and have a more positive impact on the environment or your family if you're thinking toxins, viruses, et cetera. Um, and so I think that for-profit, for-purpose world is going to see greater and greater allocations and huge capital flows coming to it because uh, in a world where 40% of people you know, probably can't uh, uh, or don't have $400 of savings or or don't have three months of savings. Um, democracy doesn't work that way in the long run. So we've got to think about impact on the environment, impact on community, individuals, and society. And so I think you're going to see greater and greater allocations uh, to businesses that that, that uh, are true true to that, and they're in you know the midst of huge tailwinds that ride in a big wave. So that those are my three thoughts. Thank you very, very much. Deep and helpful. Really interesting, actually. Jamie, your thoughts on investing. Where do you look at investing? How do you look at it? Yes. Well, at StreetSense, we really like to meet people where they are. So obviously, real the three R's, real estate, read, and rentals are really the way to go. How are people living their lives? I mean, now with this stay-at-home order, where you live and the environment that you live in, in a rental property, in multifamily, um, all of these types of things are super important. So we're starting to see a lot of innovations there. And we don't want to treat people like a lease. We want to think of them as a member and drive community. So that's a lot of, you know, what we focus on at Street Sense is like, where are the people and what's that experience like? Obviously, technology, um, many of us on the panel have talked about that and what's happening um, with the innovations there, teleconferencing being really important. Order online, we're seeing a lot of 
buy online, pick up in store, touchless pay systems. We don't want to touch things now. So what does that look like in our new retail restaurant environment where there's a lot of touchless pay? Uh, we're seeing prop tech in office and residential. And we see this person that's in the retail or the residential environment, but doing different things. So data is really important for us right now. Knowing where people are spending money, the times that they're spending money, how they're spending money, that's where the business is. That's what we really want to think about. So collecting that data is really important. And then the last thing that we've really seen um, a high interest in is um, health and wellness and that being really fundamental. So bringing um, direct-to-consumer products like the Peloton <laughs> turned into this major place to invest during this time. You know, obviously with coronavirus being at top of mind, being healthy, staying fit, um, online uh, fitness um, apps, technology, things like that being super important. And, you know, the health and wellness business being a $4.2 trillion industry, we feel like there's a lot um, that can be done there. So that's some of the things that we've been focused on for investment. Thank you, Jamie. Always fascinating to hear your perspectives on things and so right on. Thank you very, very much. David, you have in this world of, of clients investing mostly in public traded vehicles, uh, but there's only so many public traded vehicles to invest in, only so many public traded companies in the equity markets anymore. How does that world evolve? Where do you see people investing going forward? Um, you know, Rob and David have talked about investing private in private companies and more transparency there and growing platforms there. What's sort of your sense of how people invest today and how they should invest? Yeah, um, Scott, so you're right. Um, we are, uh, we invest in the public liquid capital markets. We don't get involved in alternatives or private equity. And, you know, what we've been seeing, certainly the trend over the last uh, 12 months, 18 months, and and it's uh, the the pandemic has certainly uh, highlighted it, is that people are looking at uh, companies that can benefit from all these trends, the stay-at-home trend. And the, the obvious winners over the last, uh, you know, three months, 12 months, 18 months have been uh, large cap technology companies. These are the, you know, the Facebooks and Amazons and Netflix and, and Googles and the like. So I'm going to take a little bit of a contrarian view and always uh, with the knowledge of, you know, be diversified, have a mix that's tailored to your particular situation. There are areas of the uh, public liquid capital markets that do have a lot of potential. Small cap stocks, uh, for example, uh, they were hardest hit on the way down uh, when the pandemic started. And they certainly have had now the most leverage as the economy starts to recover. Uh, looking outside the U.S., uh, international stocks are trading at much lower valuations uh, than U.S. stocks. And uh, we wouldn't be surprised over the next five and 10 years to see uh, international stocks take the lead in terms of performance relative to the U.S., if only because they're trading at such lower prices relative to uh, earnings and cash flows. So it always starts with, you know, be diversified, make sure that, you know, you have a focus on cash and liquidity, so the dollars that you do put at risk in stocks uh, is truly long-term. So if you need cash, you don't need to sell it at fire sale prices. Uh, but you know, look outside the traditional large cap uh, companies and, and technology stocks that have been doing so well. 
David, you've mentioned small caps, international international stocks as well. Small cap stocks, international stocks. There's something that Rob Topping said, and I'd love your thoughts on this. Rob had mentioned that even though the indexes, you know, might go up and down one to two percent, and and obviously through the COVID crisis, down thirty percent, back up twenty five percent, what have you, but individual stocks can get battered a lot worse. Talk about that for a moment. Index investing versus individual stock investing? Yes, so um, we're big fans of not trying to find uh, the needle in the haystack, but rather just own the haystack uh, itself. It makes for a much smoother, less volatile ride. Uh, you, you're absolutely right. If you look at the volatility of individual stocks, you're seeing crazy moves over days and weeks. You're seeing crazy moves uh, for individual stocks uh, intraday. And you can uh, get rid of a lot of that volatility uh, just by simply buying an index fund or an ETF that covers all of the stocks in an area of the market. So when I mentioned small cap stocks, there are index funds and ETFs that cover that area as a whole. So you don't really need to worry about uh, this individual stock or that, or am I diversified? You're instantly uh, diversified. And we think it's a very effective way for uh, individual clients to invest. Thank you very much. Cynthia, your thoughts on investing today and where people should be investing? The reality is that companies that did well before the crash, they're doing well now. And companies that were not in a recess, recession and hurting from the virus, I really feel the virus is helping to pick the winners and losers. And we mentioned that technology stocks like Facebook and Apple, they've really shined during the coronavirus. And Apple's at a record high of 1.4 trillion. I like to look at some of the stay-at-home style stocks. And we might call these, for example, soaring coronavirus cloud stocks. And as Wall Street continues to pour into stocks that have been immune to the economic downturn. I do like looking at baskets of area, but I would, if I was picking some of the smaller stocks right now, um, I want to try to catch them before they've been too high. I look at Zoom, for example, it unexpectedly grew 169%. I don't know if I want to be in Zoom. I might put it in one of my baskets. Um, I look at DocuSign that has grown over 100%. I feel they have a lot more to grow just being in all the payments and all the, um, the loans that have been out there and everybody that signed them and all the relationships with banks. And then I also look at some of the cloud, uh, the cloud services and the small one there is Cloudera and there's a lot of different small ones. But again, I liked how David talked about grouping them together. So I like selective small companies that are in the right markets that are priced low right now. If I'm looking at my baskets of where I wanna be, I want to be in financials that may include JP Morgan, regional bank. I want my baskets of energy stock and those be refineries in different areas like that. And I also like the emerging markets. Um, I do think China is going to be in there with all supply chain. My favorite emerging market is Vietnam just because I've spent a, um, a significant amount of time there. So I know we have um, talked about all the different areas that I had down. So I just sort of snapshotted uh, what I thought and try to take out all what all of you said, which has been so good. But um, healthcare is my exceptional area that I spend probably 75% of my time in. So it's, um, 
I know which ones there I want to get into and ones I don't want to. Life science, I love. I don't like hospital chains. Payers, you got to be selective on. And the different uh, tech, uh, ones that, um, that are the vendors that are there, I think we want to look at the technology they're offering. And again, I'm very big on what is your use case before I really want to go after that one. So thank you. Hope that wasn't too fast. I know we're sort of at the end here right now. No, Cynthia, thank you so much. I, I want to thank all of you. Very different perspectives. David Blumberg, tremendous amount of investment in automation, technology, software as a service, that, those kinds of areas, traditional San Francisco venture capital, just fascinating. Rob Topping, a ton of work in alternatives, real estate, hedge funds, just fascinating perspectives. Jamie Sabat, one of the brightest people I know, one of the best visions on sort of what's going on in our world and, and really can analyze it and synthesize it better than anybody that I know. Fantastic help. David Rapport, one of the most centered, smartest people that I've ever met, just fantastic and clear on his thinking on investing and so forth. And Cynthia Porter, just an amazing uh, leader and, and fantastic thoughts from you as well. I want to thank all of you for joining us today, business growth and investing in the new area, in the new era. Uh, next time we'll probably break it down into two separate subjects to give you more time on each one, but I appreciate you joining us so much at Beck Group Business Leadership. Jeremy Corn, our production team, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening in.